So you want to be an extra. Get first-hand insight from casting director Patrick Ingram of Extras Casting Atlanta, responsible for casting background performers for A-list entertainment such as X-Men, First Class, The Walking Dead, The Blind Side, and countless others. Hear firsthand what he and other casting pros are looking for given Atlanta's rapidly growing film and TV industry. Plus, hear about the entire process from the performer's side. Catherine Telford and Kent Wagner, two Atlanta Movie Tours insiders, will join us to share perspective on their expansive on-set experience. This all happens April 15, 2016 at Atlanta Movie Tours Castleberry Hill headquarters. Doors open at 6 p.m. and the panel discussion begins at 7. Tickets are just $10, and that includes food from our friends at Smoke Ring. Visit tinyurl.com forward slash Atlanta Extra for details and tickets. Hurry, space is limited. Atlanta Movie Tours. Get in. Geek out. Welcome to The Atlas. I'm your host, Emma Loggins, and I'm joined with my my fellow host, Shakai Mickelson. Why, hello. Hi. So how are been. I'm I've been we've been moving. So I have been on the wrong end of the tired meter. But uh, but we're we're starting to get settled in, in into our temporary digs. So so it's a uh, it's it's good. It's exciting. Well that's uh I, I may have had a little bit more fun than you this last weekend. I was in New York. So uh got to see a play and go to an art museum and uh, had a nice little little getaway from Atlanta. That's uh that's yeah. That's pretty much the one hundred percent opposite of my experience. <laughs> so feel free to uh, feel free to enlighten us. Which play did you see? I saw the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Well, that's curious. <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard of the play um, before we had gotten tickets to it, and I guess it won. Um, I believe it won the Tony last year for best play. Uh, it, it's from a first-person perspective of this 15-year-old boy who who describes himself as a mathematician that has behavioral problems. And he sees this dog or finds this dog that has been murdered and kind of makes it a personal mission to find out who did it. And along the way, um, and even once he finds out who did it, um, we see a lot of those behavioral issues unfold. Um, so it's based on a book that um, is, is well-loved um, by the same name, by Mark Haddon. And it's a great play if you're in New York and uh, looking for something cool to check out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm always. I always love seeing live theater because I'm always fascinated on how they make different locales and stuff, and the set changes and everything. It, it it's it's awesome when a play actually truly pulls you into its world. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And this is one of the most impressive set designs I've ever seen. Um, it looks so simple when you first see it on the stage, but uh, it really transforms and lends itself to so many different kind of cool technical things throughout the performance that it's just, I was really in awe of the set. I mean, and of course the acting and all was, it's incredible as well, but it was, it was just really, it was really emotionally intense, beautifully acted, an insanely awesome set design. I just, I loved it. That's uh yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that I'm jealous because I'm a grown up and I would never say such a such a childish thing. But while you were doing that, I was carrying a couch, so <laughs> so maybe a little bit of jealousy. But that's that's super cool. I'm I'm glad it's it's also fun to see something that you hadn't heard of to be yeah. kind of pleasantly surprised. Oh, this is here too. That's really cool. Exactly, exactly. There are other things on Broadway besides Hamilton. 
<laughs> I had no idea. Years ago, uh, my wife and I flew out when we still lived in Los Angeles to see Book of Mormon because I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, and that was without uh-huh. a doubt the most amazing experience ever experiencing entertainment for me. So New York, I immediately think of that, but uh, there, right. there's a lot of other really cool stuff there too, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, turns out there's uh, awesome things in New York City. Who knew? It's, it's, it's a well-kept secret, that, that town. <laughs> Fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> Redundant fun fact brought to you by Jekai Mickelson. <laughs> um, well, I feel like we have to kind of talk about the elephant in the room, which was Walking Dead's finale on Sunday night. Yes, ma'am. What the heck? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not surprised that they left us with that kind of cliffhanger, but that was just not cool. Well, you know, I got to tell you, like, up until the point where they actually kind of got to the cliffhanger, I I, I was kind of enjoying it because I I, I saw other people complaining like, oh, it's just everywhere Rick goes, they get caught somewhere and Rick is being soft and then they back up and go different places. But I I was kind of into that that aspect of the story. I'm like, oh, man, they're just totally getting played with. How would you handle that? So I was I was in it. But at the very end, when they started doing these like flash cuts to who the different people were and, and like who are on the on the cusp of getting beaten down by Lucy. I, I yeah. honestly felt like, dude, I'm being manipulated as a viewer and I don't appreciate it. I actually got like angry. I'm like, this yeah. is a cliche technique right now. Come on. You're better show than this. No, I completely agree. That's I feel like the only time and I guess with dealing with a show that had so much blood and gore, it's kind of surprising to say this. But I felt like that last scene was the first time I've ever been physically sick watching a TV show. Um, it just, I felt nauseous, that whole, the sound effects in that last scene, the visuals, the kind of built up emotional intensity before that. I just, I felt like I was going to vomit. I was just really disturbed by it. Oh, interesting. So, well, that means it totally worked for you. That means, that means they, they got you in the right place. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of not cool. I mean, I get it from, from the TV's, the, the show's perspective, um, why you would want to end it the way that you did. You have all these fans talking about it right. and how angry they are that they have no, you know, they don't know who who it happened to. Um, but then, of course, you're going to have all of these people tuning in for the premiere that want to know. Not that they wouldn't be tuning in anyways. I don't know. I was just really upset that they didn't show who it was. And Yeah. I... Uh, it's been really interesting to kind of see how the internet has dealt with that too, really analyzing the scenes because they had... Um, uh, talking Dad afterwards, they had Scott Gimple and uh, Robert Kirkman say that, you know, there are clues there as to who it was and people kind of going in and analyzing camera angles and, <laughs> right. you know, they said this and this and this, so it's not these people and it could be these two people. And it's been it's been kind of cool to, to follow that um to follow that train of thought and of course i mean anything at this point is speculation but if it doesn't leak out before the show starts back with people taking photos of filming i'm going to be really really impressed right it's going to be like oh everyone's filming this scene except for blank right well it's clearly blank that right lucille got you i'm know? sure i'm sure yeah they, they better bring back the entire cast you know you know what the thing honestly reminded me of and this this will tie into me mentioning book of mormon was uh Gosh, I think it was the first season of South Park. I'm not sure if you ever... Did you ever really watch that show? Were you a fan of that show at all? Um, I watched it sporadically. I, I didn't watch it consistently. Right. Well, I, I just bring it up. There was a show, I think it was the end of season one, when there was like this big 
maybe season two, this big how do you do about like who Eric Cartman's father was. And mm-hmm. and they did this whole thing like they're like who is Eric Cartman's father and it like cut through all the different characters in the show is it Chef is it the I think it was like is it the 1992 Denver Broncos it was all these different crazy things and then it and then it ended and then those guys what they did is they for the season premiere it was supposed to be a big like reveal of who Eric Cartman's father was but what they did is and probably a lot of people listening know this story because it's kind of a lot of people know about it but on that happened to be April 1st was when their season was premiering. So as an April Fool's joke, they played a, a 100% Terrence and Philip episode with none of the characters. They didn't answer <laughs> any of the questions and people were pissed. People were angry. Yeah. But seriously, when I was watching the finale of Walking Dead, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm seriously having flashbacks of that South Park episode, which I'm sure is not what they intended. So no. I'm actually I'm actually stoked <laughs> to, to hear that it actually affected you and you were kind of like disgusted by, by what happened at the end. So that, that means they did something right because I, I wasn't affected at all. I mean, even the way the blood came down the screen, I was like rolling my eyes, but maybe I'm just a negative Nelly. I mean, I I don't know. The, I think it was really the sound effects that got me. <laughs> right. um, that was the most disgusting part of it for me. Hearing that, hearing it hitting. Um, yeah, even thinking about it now, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that was so gross. And I, I think I know who it is. So right? who is it? Who is it? I think it's Daryl. You know, and okay. I'll give you my reasoning for this. Yes, ma'am. Um, so Daryl has a new show premiering in right. June on AMC. So that's a large part of my reasoning. Um, AMC maybe not wanting to lose their Norman Reedus, even though he wasn't going to be on the show anymore. So they gave him another show. Um, that's a large part of my reasoning. Secondly is I just don't think it's Glenn. And fans of the comics will know that, you know, it is Glenn in the comics that this happens to. But right. after the mid-season finale, when, you know, they kind of already faked us out once with his death, I don't think that they would do anything to him in this in this scenario. But that being said, maybe they did that to throw us off and make people like me think, oh, they're not going to do anything to Glenn because of what they did in the mid- mid-season finale. Right. Well, I, like, because I wonder, because I remember uh, talking to other people, actually, a couple people that came on the tour was like oh it's definitely going to be daryl and they were given the reasons because i guess emily kinney came to shoot a scene and uh rooker uh, was there too yeah rooker came back but see if i'm amc and i know i've got a million people eating out of my hands what is the most hilarious way to have people suspect something that's not happening it's like it's like it's it's like the classic uh um conspiracy theory and and you're you're just you're just sprinkling out clues but i I think your your uh, uh amc angle is pretty compelling yeah, um, I don't. I remember the IMBD page uh, for the final episode listed Emily, uh, Kenny, and uh, Michael Rooker, and I don't know where they were. Yeah. Maybe they filmed something for the premiere, and they just went ahead and filmed whatever for the premiere with Norman that they needed to to film because they wouldn't have him on the show past then. Right. Um, that's really the only thing I can think of. I mean, why have those two characters back? They have such a such a big Daryl connection that it there would be no other reason to have the two of them back. At least not that I can think of. Unless they seriously brought them back and deliberately reported that they were coming back so people yeah. would think Daryl was going to go. Which would, I mean, that's a super conspiracy theory, but it would be it a is. pretty clever way to get people thinking Daryl's going to go. 
This is true. Yeah. This is true. So. I, I, I also think that there's a chance it could be Abraham. Yeah. So that's my other, I think it's, it's one of those three. It's either Abraham, yeah. Glenn, or Daryl, and I'm putting my money on Daryl. It, it's it's a fascinating time, but curious, uh, if you were to rate that particular episode, what would you rate one to five, five being the highest of that particular episode? Oh, that's hard. Um, I always say that any form of art that can make you feel something, whether you hate it or you love it or you watch it and you want to vomit um, <laughs> or you, you see it and you want to vomit, um, that that's good art because it evokes something in you, whether you like it right. or not. Um, so I, it's definitely not my personal favorite episode of the series, uh, but I would definitely put it up there in the top few. I mean, I think, uh, Negan's introduction, I mean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, not a more perfect actor in the world to play that part. No, um, like based I just on stud. what we saw in the finale, he was, yeah, he was stud. amazing. Yeah. Um, so he, he was probably what made that episode for me. And so I would I'll, I'll give it a strong four. Ooh, bold. Yeah. Nice. Bold. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. What about what about you? You know, I, I what's weird is I loved it until the very ending. I seriously, and that has nothing to do with uh, Negan, because Negan coming out and being badass was awesome. And but but I love the mind games that was being played with with the characters that we loved, right? And and I like that that right. it was kind of revealed at the very end. They're like, oh, we're seeing quick glimpses inside of the van from the perspective of the the you know Daryl and and Glenn. That was cool, and I liked right. that that was revealed at the end. I just I just felt it it it, it struck me again like that end of South Park, and it struck me like um, reality television shows when they quickly show all the characters before it goes to break. You know, and right. I was like, ah, it just, it just rubbed me. It, it, it just rubbed me such a wrong way that I would take it down to a three. But weirdly, I loved it up to that point. Even the stuff between hmm. Carol was, I thought was, was bold. Like her, her trying to check out, I thought was pretty cool. So yeah, everything except for the thing that everybody's talking about, I liked. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm a horrible Horrible stand on, on an island guy, I guess. So, Walking Dead, we, we, we've, we've got that. We've probably chewed that one up pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you recently watched a film that was filmed here in Atlanta. Which, uh, which movie it would that did. be? I saw The Boss, starring Melissa McCarthy. Uh-huh. And um, it was... It was a movie that I saw last oh, night. Oh no! All right, well, yeah. let's uh, let's try something here. We're we're gonna we're okay. gonna attempt a world premiere of uh, the Atlas me- media review. And so so I'll, I'll walk you through it the first time. We've got we've got some some specific factors we're gonna measure this movie against, which was apparently a classic. So we'll we'll start <laughs> with the first one. Let's this this is something that that we'll call the boredom gauge. From one to five, five being five alarm boredom. How what was how boring was this movie? Um, I, um, oh my god, it's it was hit or miss. There were certain sections that I enjoyed. There were especially the very beginning in which I was like, "Why, no, don't be this." Um, <laughs> and so it was very very boring in the beginning. Um, but it got better as it went along. So overall, I'm going to give it a... Wait, what am I? Am I one being the most boring or five being five the most boring? Five being the most boring. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give it a two and a half. Can I do a half? You can, sure, if you want. Manipulate the system, <laughs> right. whatever. It's our first time out. Do, do, do whatever you want to do. 
Um, all right, so two and a half, not a particularly uh, glowing review. So this is another one, the eye rolling gauge. Uh, uh, one to five, five being skull cracking, rolling eye marbles. How many times five, did this film? Five. Really? Five. <laughs> oh, <Five>. man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It just it had so many kind of gimmicky forms of of comedy in it that I just it's not my style of comedy at all. Um, I need something that's a little bit more witty for me to to really kind of laugh and appreciate it. People falling down or or people, you know, um, running into things or you know, just kind of stupid gimmicky stuff like that doesn't make me laugh. I, and I was rolling my eyes a lot at that kind of humor. So what was the biggest, are you kidding me moment? Uh, there was not anything that really, really stuck out to me as like, are you kidding me? There's a scene in the very beginning where um, it's like the the second scene where she, you know, has just done this event and she's come back into her office and she puts this thing into her mouth to like uh, basically keep her keep her mouth open so she can whiten her teeth and Kristen Bell's character is her personal assistant and is supposed to you know do this teeth whitening thing for her and it's just a scene that goes on far far too long (laughs) everyone I mean a lot of other people found it really comical and I was just like this is just and it's just basically Melissa with this thing in her mouth and everyone finds it really funny and I did not so I was I was rolling my eyes at how long that scene lasted and and that to me I was like, please don't let the rest of the movie be like this because I'm just, this is going to be painful for me. Gotcha. Wow. All right. Well, well. so who delivered the best performance in the flick? Um, you know, I, I will say that the parts of the movie I actually really enjoyed was, uh, our, was the improv by Melissa. She did some... I'm assuming it's improv because I I know they usually go through a ton of different takes and they'll just, you know, let actors kind of go off on their own. And, and that seemed like what this was. I know um, she was also involved in the, the writing and production of the film. Um, So maybe she wrote it in for herself, but uh, she had some really good lines. So it's, she also had some of the worst lines in the film too. (laughs) So I can't really um, give her, give her too much praise there, but I mean, she's doing what, what she does, you know, it's the same kind of comedy and humor that she's done in in all of the other films that she's been in and uh, uh, acting wise, probably, probably Kristen Bell was the best, but, um, but comedically uh, Melissa had some great one-liners. So who who would you say uh, gave the worst performance? Who seemed like they were phoning it in? Also, Melissa. <laughs> right. Funny, oddly enough, right? She's sweeping um, both the Oscars yeah, and the Razzies. Good for her. And the Razzies, exactly. Um, Peter Dinklage too uh, had some really horrible lines that I was I I found obnoxious, um, and they had a, a whole kind of interesting relationship with one another in it, which also kind of made me roll my eyes. Again, it seemed super gimmicky, um, but he's such a great actor. And it's when you, when you see great actors do bad movies, it, I, I just don't understand why. Um, and maybe, maybe it was, you know, they're all friends in real life and it was, you know, a, a fun project to work on, but I just didn't care for it. What was a Georgia recognition factor? Could you tell it was filmed um, in Atlanta? 
So the film is set in Chicago, right? And they they did do a lot of exterior shots in Chicago, um, where you can see the train, and of course the the kind of sky flyover shots where you right, see right. The, the the skyline and all of that. Um, but all of the the other scenes, there was actually a number of locations that I recognized, and one specifically at the very end where they're on. Um, a rooftop somewhere in Midtown and I can see the two buildings that are next to my building and then I can see my building between them and I'm like I wish I had gone out on my balcony that night <laughs> and like been able to see if I could see them filming um, so but I don't know if other people um, I had I had a friend with me and who also lives in Midtown and he didn't realize that that was you know uh, the the two condo buildings on Peachtree Street that was in that final scene so I don't know how many people that don't live in Midtown or right. in Castleberry Hill would even that notice. Would recognize anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that the um, and I haven't seen the movie, but the, there's a weed dispensary at some point in the film. It shows up briefly in the in the preview, and that's that's actually in Castleberry Point. Uh, seriously, four doors down from Atlanta Movie Tours. So I remember seeing that in the trailer, being like, "Oh, well." I will tell you this fun fact because I lived in the neighborhood when they were filming that. Um, because of the time of year it was, there were production assistants out attaching green leaves to trees that haven't bloomed yet so that's awesome and it took them forever and i remember thinking you know sometimes my job can get pretty mundane but it's never been that mundane and i swear to goodness like a week later the trees had real leaves on them it's it's always really impressive to me what production takes into consideration that we just we don't even realize when we're watching right for all that continuity you know because i think you can't have some scenes with green leaf trees and some scenes where the, all the trees are inexplicably missing leaves so that's crazy exactly. so okay so one to five what what is this film no one and a half yikes it's not a good film yeah that means it's no. uh that means in the atlas scale it's not even a full at that's how bad no this movie is so that's it's like yeah an A and part of a T. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of two syllables of badness. Well, that, that's a bummer. I, I saw a spy that just came on HBO and I will admit uh, I was very, it's a dumb movie, but I laughed out loud at it quite a few times. You know, there was, I would say the bulk of people in the theater, including especially the guy next to me, I don't know who he was, but he was laughing uncontrollably through the oh, whole thing. Oh. I think he may have been a little tipsy. He kind of smelled like whiskey when he sat down next to me. Um, <laughs> right. So I don't know if I I would trust his opinion on anything, but gotcha. um, it's uh, maybe if you go and have a couple drinks before you see it, you will like it more than I did. It will get it will get to maybe a three star. Would it be which would be an adult? Exactly, it would be an adult in the in the <laughs> Atlas scale. It's an adult. All right, well that's that's a bummer. Uh, I'm I'm still waiting for uh, one of these movies that were filmed right in the neighborhood to to have an explosive response. So far, Triple Nine, not so much. It sounds like uh, the boss. Well, who knows? It might still be a commercial success. And then uh, it could be. And then Taken Three was the other one, and yeah, all three of those just kind of went wow, wow, wow. Actually, even Dumb and Dumber Two filmed a big scene in the neighborhood, and that one didn't really. Yeah, that one was bring bad. vigor either. So yeah. maybe, uh oh, maybe Castleberry Hill is is voodooed or something. All right. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you guys, because uh, Containment, Containment filmed on there some. Didn't That's true. It? Yeah, it was actually set up there for quite a while. Yeah, containment is uh, 
it premieres here on the CW in just a couple of weeks. Yes, yes. And it's shot and based in Atlanta, and it's uh, a brilliant show. I really like it. I don't know what it's doing on CW because it doesn't match any of their other programming, right. but it is a great show. Well, that's good. And actually, that's a brilliant segue for what happens next, which might be containment filmed here in Atlanta, but other stuff is filming here in Atlanta as well. It and if is. only you knew what was filming in Atlanta right now. If only I did, I would have a list in front of me that I could read all to you. <laughs> um, so we've talked a little bit about um, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver, which has been spotted filming around town. Yes, yes. It uh, closed down an overpass um, a couple weekends ago that caused a pretty bad bad traffic in combination with some of the construction that was happening yeah. on 75, 85 here in Atlanta. It's another one in Castleberry. Um, Hopefully it's not affected by the voodoo. Happy vibes for Edgar Wright. I mean, he's amazing. So I have very high expectations for this film. Yes. When you hear when you hear just the title, like Baby Driver, you think it's going to be like a comedy involving a baby <laughs> being driven around by like a sitter. I don't it's a, know. It's I a don't... baby's day out prequel. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like to me, um, which at all, it's not at all what the description reads if you if you look it up. Right. But uh, we'll we'll see how that one turns out. Um, we also have Halt and Catch Fire, um, which airs on AMC, which is back in production. It's been spotted all over Buckhead over the last week and specifically off of uh, locations off of Piedmont Road. Um, Hidden Figures, which is uh, Kevin Costner and Octavia Spencer is filming up in Cherokee County. Um, Zach Efron and The Rock are still filming Baywatch down in Savannah. Um, Office Christmas Party, uh, starring Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston, is currently in Chicago, but on April 19th, it heads here to Hiram, Georgia, to start filming until June 1st. Ah. And let's see, what else do we got here? Um, we have a whole list of pilots that will be filming here. Um, Making History, which is going to, uh, or which has been ordered by Fox, Adam Polly, Langton Meeser from Gossip Girl, um, star in that. It centers on three unlikely friends that find an even less likely way to travel through time, irreversibly complicating their personal lives in 2016. Oh, man. So we'll see about I that. I am one. such a sucker. I have to, I hate to admit it, but I realized this about myself recently. I am such a sucker for films that involve time travel. Like every, I can't think of one time travel movie where I'm like, well, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Even Hot Tub Time Machine. I enjoyed Hot Tub Time Machine. Do you enjoy Jumper? Was that technically a time travel movie? I think that was a time travel with movie. The, no, that's with the, the Hayden Christensen, right? And they'd, and they'd, yeah. they'd like flash into different areas. It was more like you yeah. could immediately travel Jump more than through. it was time. Maybe I've just tried to erase it from my mind because it was such a bad Yeah, movie. I don't remember it being particularly. Maybe that's Now, why. listen, I'm <laughs> sure that if we went down the list far long enough, you could find one that wasn't good. Like Hot Tub Time Machine 2, for example, is one I started watching yeah. on Amazon Prime. And I was like, ah, you know, I can't. This one, this yeah. one isn't, this one is not uh, fulfilling. The first one's good. Yeah, yeah. So, but whatever, sorry to totally interrupt, but time travel, hopefully it's not horrific. I mean, it's Fox too, and Fox and their sci-fi shows, generally it, it, it's something that has a, a pretty big fan following that Fox doesn't really know how to, to deal with, <laughs> and sometimes we'll kill it after the fourth episode. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Firefly, but uh, <laughs> is what it is. We'll we'll see how that happens. Um, we also have another pilot coming from Kevin Williamson, uh, which is going to be a paranormal drama for the CW. 
Um, and for those of you that don't know, Kevin Williamson, of course, was involved in Vampire Diaries and one of my all-time favorite shows, Dawson's Creek. Um, with this series, it's going to focus on a young woman seeking help from a a paranormal psychologist when she begins to experience paranormal phenomena. Ah. So, I hate it when I experience phenomena of any kind, by the way. Yeah. 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 It's very, it's, <laughs> makes me feel very self-conscious. <laughs> I mean, that's why they have paranormal psychologists. <laughs> that's right. See, it all comes together. It's like a parapsychologist. I've never even heard of that, but I guess that's a thing. That's, that's how it's listed. Sure. Um, cool. Um, next up, we have Star, which is the uh, the spinoff series for Empire. Uh, Atlanta set drama revolves around three girls who come together to form a band. It details their rise to the top in a challenging business. While Empire is told through the point of view of the music executive, Star will be told from the perspective of the artist. Ooh, I don't hate that. That sounds compelling. Yeah, I mean, Empire has been a, a huge success. Been a big so hit, it'll be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this one does. Um, next up, we have Hail Mary, which has been ordered by ABC. Uh, it's a young, small-town mayor named Mary Wolf. She has dysfunctional siblings, a dying father, disgruntled citizens, and a nearly bankrupt town and mafia breathing down her neck. Only a miracle can help her, so she fakes one. Aha. Uh-huh. So um, I know that uh, when I visited the set for... Um, the Netflix series, Stranger Things, they were just wrapping up back in kind of the middle of February at uh, Screen Gym Studios here in Atlanta, and they already had parking signs out for Hail Mary. I think that was supposed to come in late February. So that is that one is already in production gotcha. here. Another one that's already in production here is The Jury. It actually filmed at Atlanta Tech Village a couple of weeks ago, which is uh, where I have my office at. Nice. And... Yeah, pretty pretty cool place. Um, we've had a lot of series filmed there, actually. Powers has filmed there, and there's been a couple TBS series that have, have filmed there as well. Um, but this is a series for AMC. It's an anthology series described as 12 Angry Men meets the Serial Podcast. Oh. Serial, if you haven't heard of it, is amazing. It's such a great podcast. Um, I think that's actually one that I gave you yeah, to, it, to listen it to. it totally was. <laughs> Um, so it follows a single murder trial as seen through the eyes of the individual jurors, exploring the biases and experiences that influence the jurors' judgment and how their um, preconceptions change along the way. Um, but that's pretty much it. Um, as far as celebrity spottings in town, James Gunn continues to be everywhere all the time. Um, I feel like he's going to move here at some point. Um, of course, he's directing Guardians of the Galaxy 2 right now. And this Sunday is a part of the closing day. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the closing day of the Atlanta Film Festival. Yeah. Um, they're going to be doing a screening of Guardians of the Galaxy, followed by a Q&A with James Gunn and Michael Ripper. Oh, that's cool. So I also know that Mr. Chris Pratt lives somewhere in Midtown. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had him or maybe a couple of the other cast members as a surprise guest show up. Um, not announced, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happened. That's super cool. I love James Gunn ever since the trauma days. I'm telling you, that guy, big fan. He seems so cool. Like I, and I just love everywhere he's going in Midtown, to, or not just in Midtown, all over the place. He uh, keeps hitting up Oxford Comics on Piedmont, which is an amazing comic book store. Um, I bought my my copy of Sellers of Catan there, so 
highly recommend that place nice. if you're looking for some really nerdy board games in addition to your comics. <laughs> nice. um, yeah, for all the Guardians of the Galaxy fans, he did a film quite a few years back now called Slither, and that is an underrated gem. It's a fantastic film. So stop what you're doing right now. Well, I mean, once you finish listening to this. but th- Once you finish yeah, the podcast, go listen. Then stop and go watch that film. Find a way to watch it because it's, it's good. I guarantee it. That's right. I guarantee it. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's it for the the Atlanta filming update for the week. Oh, is that all? It doesn't seem like uh, doesn't seem like much is going on. Not much. Yeah, not much. Like not much is happening. You here. know what's cool about that though is, is seriously of all the descriptions you gave, I felt like there wasn't one that didn't feel compelling. The only one that felt a little bit like ah oh was the one when the lady had to create her own miracle. Outside of that, everything else seemed pretty compelling to me as a listener. But maybe others disagree with that sentiment. But sounds like uh, some cool concepts. Yeah, um, I think with that one, the description of combining it with, uh, oh no, that was Jury. Jury was the one that combined the serial podcast. Um, that one sounds really compelling. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm probably most excited for. That, and of course, I'm a sap for anything Kevin Williamson does, so I'm probably going to watch that <laughs> right, too. Okay. 32-year-old sitting here watching young adult oh, stuff, but it's goodness. fine. It, it, it's, it's amazing how, <laughs> wrong. amazing how fast that happens when you're like, wait a minute, that this entertainment is not for me anymore, is it? Oh, no. <laughs> but yet I'm still watching Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, I still <laughs> watch cartoons when possible. <laughs> so, well, okay, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say uh, you have a, a pretty cool event coming up that also kind of deals with the Atlanta entertainment scene. That's right. It's called How to Be a Stripper. I'm just kidding. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I'm a little punchy, Emma, and I'm standing in a closet, to be fair. So, because uh, it's it's the fine recording quality reserved only for the Atlas. Um, yeah, we, we actually have an event coming up called uh, How to Be an Extra. It's, it's just going to be a small little panel that we're having at Atlanta Movie Tours headquarters, which is in downtown Atlanta, the Castleberry Hill area. Um, and we've actually got uh, um, Patrick Ingram, who's a casting director who's uh, actually done background casting for films like uh, X-Men, First Class, uh, The Walking Dead, of course. Maybe that's a show you've heard of. And um, oh, what's it called? Not The Iron Side. What's it called? The blind side? The blind side. Iron side. <laughs> With irony singles. <laughs> well, That's all, what you did there. I got you. <laughs> nice. Way, way to bring it around. Uh, he, he also cast that film, The Blind Side. So he, he's cast a lot of A-list entertainment. And he's actually going to join us on the panel to talk about what he and other casting professionals are looking for in terms of looking for background artists. And also a couple of Atlanta Movie Tours insiders are going to be there uh, to actually talk about the experience of being in some of these large productions from a performance perspective, the casting process, on-set experiences. So it should be an interesting little event because one of the main questions we get a lot from people who take our tours is like, how can I be an extra? How can I be an extra? And it turns out that the, the answer really isn't that complex. But uh, yeah, um, tickets are 10 bucks. That includes barbecue from uh, Smoke Ring, a friend of Atlanta Movie Tours. So you'll, you'll come in, get fed, and uh, get some questions answered. So hopefully it'll be an interesting little event. That's going to be April 15th. Uh, and you can get, you can actually, the, the easy way to get there is if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash Atlanta Extra. That'll get you access to get tickets and stuff. That'll be awesome. I think that'll be, um, that'll just be really great for anyone that's kind of curious about how to to get their foot in the door here. And, and starting with extra work is really kind of the best way to get a feel for what it's like spending, you know, 15 hours on set, you know, filming one or two scenes. And, right. 
it's a, a lot of sitting around and not not doing a whole lot. Um, and a lot of people don't really realize that. So, um, but the extra process is just so. I, I find it interesting. I still, I haven't done it myself yet. I, I want to do extra work at some point just to have that experience and know a little bit more about what it's like. Um, but I think that'll be a really cool event. Yeah, it is. It's a, uh, I hope so too. I think, um, again, we get a lot of people asking that question and I think, you know, I, I realize we got to wrap up here, but, but one of the things I think that people don't realize is just how much work it is to be an actor. And I don't even mean, to, to get discovered and everything else. I mean, like, how much work is involved with being an actor who's already made it, so to speak. Yeah. It, it is a lot of work to 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 confide or to function along with the, the very tight schedules and everything else and to emote all the emotion that's required for the shot while the sun is setting. It's just uh, it's a lot of work. It's not, it's, it's it not the laid-back life of luxury a lot of people think it is. Says the guy nope. currently standing and recording this A-list podcast in a closet. <laughs> what? That's not luxurious to you? Well, I'm leaning on the wall, which is very nice. It's a nice horizontal <laughs> wall. Or no, better yet, vertical wall, which is more functional than a horizontal wall. A horizontal <laughs> wall, kids, is a table. Thank you for playing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, I have limited range of motions, too, because... In order for my sound quality to be good, it means I can't be near my laptop, which means I'm at the end of my earphone uh, cord ability to, <laughs> to to be away from my computer. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we are a uh, beginner podcast, but I love it. This is guerrilla podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. It is guerrilla. Um, thank you for <laughs> being a part of it. Yeah. Well, perfect. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us on another episode of the Atlas Podcast. Uh, my name is Emma Loggins. And I am Jukai Nicholson. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>